Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. Living in Spain, working in football, you tend to speak to Spanish footballers about football. And if you do, what they'll say is that Two of the greatest passers that they've seen, two who could fit straight into any top La Liga team, any Champions League winning team from Spain, into La Roja. Paul Scholes, obviously, and Michael Carrick. They always say, well, who says it? Xavi does. Iniesta does. Xavi Alonso does. They should know. So we thought, let's speak to Michael Carrick. And when we did, he arrived at Manchester United's far-flung countryside Carrington training ground, opened the door, strode in, all six foot two of them, filling the room. Thanks for having me, he said. I knew we were in. What a guy. Thinking about Manchester United, have you ever wondered, while you've daydreamed about playing for them, what the pressure of arriving at that club is and what is expected of you? What kind of tests lie in wait for you, not on the pitch during the Premier League or Champions League games, but at work every day? Wait to hear about Carrick in the box. Not going to describe any more about it. And no, it's not like the class of 92 where Paul Scholes was put in the tumble dryer. Different, different altogether. The cast list. Well, it's not Hollywood, but there's, don't blame it on Rio. Just Rio, De Cano, Harry Redknapp. The concept of risk. Team spirit. I guess you think that the team spirit when United were winning everything just was a natural product or maybe it was because they were scared of losing and taking a bad result into Sir Alex Ferguson. Not so. There was a war game involved. Pick me up, used to be the shout on trips home on the plane. Pick me up until it woke up Sir Alex Ferguson somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, I don't know, with the players all shouting at each other for a game that they loved and a game which Michael Carrick reckons forged an unbreakable team spirit. When you hear him talking about it, you'll understand what I'm on about. Enjoy this one. We did. And Michael Carrick, I can't believe the privilege of you saying that during your uh, rehab back to fitness from nasty injury, I saw you get in Alicante with England, that you've taken the time and trouble to stop with a big interview. But if you don't mind, can we go back to somebody that we, we've established we hold in mutual affection? Because you know, recently we sat down with Harry Redknapp and I fulfilled a long-standing wish to, just to talk to him about his nature and about his attitude to football and his stories in football. It always makes me wonder, as a young man, as a relatively young man, who hasn't been able to stay at Newcastle, I think because Kevin Keegan scraps the reserve team. You don't know where to stand. 
And in due course, you're coached by Harry Redknapp. What's it like to be to be coached by that man? What what's, what are the feelings you get immediately when you work for him? At the time, I appreciated it. First of all, I could never ever thank him enough because he's the one that had the faith in me and, and gave me the chance. And put me in a team. You know, we had Joe Cole, 18, 19, I was 18, 19. Frank Lampard was 19, 20. Rio was, you know, something similar. So to have the midfield of sort of me, Joe and Frank at that time, not many managers would put three kids in really in the heartbeat of the team, if you like, and I really can't thank him enough and he, he gave us that opportunity and he just backed me, you know, trusted me, believed in me and always encouraged me to play no matter you know how the game was going, what the result, always encouraged me to play the right way and, yeah, I might not have been sitting here if it wasn't mm. wasn't for him to that started it all off. What does that mean when, for him or for you when, when you talk about then encourage me to play the right way? What does that entail? He knew my strengths, you know. He had a style of play that he probably West Ham have, have been known generally for having um, over the years. He believed in that. He had players that, you know, he believed in talent. He believed in a bit of flair, you know. He believed in having that something different, a bit of magic. Who, you know, it might not be consistent to an extent, but it's sort of entertaining and it'll give you special moments. And I think it's just that's how he believed to play the game. And, and even if results weren't going so well, he, w- he wouldn't sort of... Um, Stop us from expressing ourselves, you know. He'd, he'd be happy for us to try things and learn the game, basically. And you know, you see some teams and they're rigid and organised, and in some ways they, that can stifle young talent in a way. But if you're getting the opportunity to, to play and express yourself, obviously guided at the same time, you know, if you're doing the wrong thing, then yeah, there's a there's a time and a place to learn from it and to be told to maybe go in a different direction. But um, pressures, managers are under and, mm-hmm. and results driven, but. So again, going back to have you of having the um, courage and the belief in us to put us in there and stick with us as well. Does that include because I think if you ever say to a young player or if you try to explain to somebody who hasn't had the luck to be in the football journalism world, so you, we get educated by you guys when you're willing to share things with us. Do you sort of say because we're in a search for perfection at the moment, and you've got managers like Pep Guardiola and Luis Enrique who are, who are like you know every day, every minute intent, but making mistakes. And allowing young, because you said allowing young players to do, treating mistakes in the right way and allowing you not to be stifled so that you will risk a pass, risk breaking a line, maybe risk walking forward with the ball into a space. If it doesn't always come off, then not, not saying stop it, don't do it again. That, that's part of the process you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, even you know, going to get on the ball in areas where some others might not encourage it because they might see it as being risky or dangerous. And he always encourages us to play out from the back and to try and get it off the centre-offs and to... Basically, they can play it to our strengths, you know. Again, other managers go down the other route and they say that as a risk in the old sort of percentages game of playing their half or getting the ball in the other team's box and all that type of thing. He was more of, again, just express yourself and, and take the ball in areas. And He trusted us to be good enough to develop and going to make mistakes, but we learned from our mistakes and I like to think that we improved through playing that way. Because there's a bravery that's come up in chats in this series where... I think in Britain a lot of us think that bravery is you can you can take a challenge, you can take a kick, or you won't be intimidating the tunnel, but there's the bravery of, of going on the ball. For me, that's the most important of the two kinds of braveries, if you like. <laughs> you know, it's, it's easier to, to go out there and sort of smash someone and tackle or push someone off the ball and, and, and you know, be aggressive in, in that way. That's, it's a lot easier but to take the ball in certain areas when you know if you, if you lose it, your, your team's going to be under pressure and... Mm-hmm. Or if you've given the ball away a couple of times to, to go and try the same thing again and having that belief and that confidence to um, to try it again and instead of hiding and 
doing some the easy option and maybe he's playing the percentages and playing a long ball really when you know the right thing to do is trying to get on it and keep possession that way so it's I think we've seen it over the years and, and people have talked about it. the foreign players have always taken the ball they've always, mm. you know and big things have been made of it and our English lads or British lads you know did they play that way did, are we technically good enough and all that type of thing but I think a lot of it can be to do with the, the sort of the main mentality as well and, and being encouraged to do those things even in the right even in what people might think are the wrong areas I was going to ask a question but you've, you've thrown me because you know I was never a great player but when I, as a youngster one of the things like never ever ever pass across your box you know even as an 11 year old your gym teacher you'd punch you in the head yeah. my gym teacher would yeah. punch you in the head and now hold on let's think not only Barcelona but you see them playing six or seven different passes yeah. across the penalty area and we're all thinking well yeah, because what's happening there is it's taking the pressure off, the other team's sucked in, and suddenly there'll be a killer pass away to Alba, Alvas or Iniesta. And it's, it's literally taking the concepts where massively different ages, but when both of us were growing up, and tipped them on their head. As I said, I think it comes, obviously, you need, you need a certain level of ability to be able to play like that, but I think at the same time, a huge amount is the mentality and the mindset. Some players or some managers will be thinking about the other team, you know, where you look at teams that play from the back it's about them and getting yeah. on the ball and not worrying about so much of you know they're, they're getting the ball looking up and they're seeing their own players and they're seeing spaces to exploit whereas other teams might get the ball at the back and they just see the other team in front of them defending and it's almost like a fear type thing of yeah. a negative thing where I'm, I'm sure you know obviously Barca you know well they get the ball they're not really looking and thinking you know, there's 11 of other players in front of us there thinking, where's my next pass, where's my next option and, and where's the space and, and that's it's a way to sum it up I think it's a mentality thing and obviously someone like Barcelona do it as good as anyone One of the things that what I was about to ask there and I'm not talking necessarily about you as youngster at West Ham but maybe people you've also seen throughout your career in one of the big interview podcasts we, we spoke to Chris Waddle who grew up relatively in the same area as you played for the team you supported as a kid and we think, I think, was properly a football genius. Mm-hmm. You know, just gave me utter happiness watching him. Very good football storyteller, funny man too. And he talked about Sheffield Wednesday when he just wasn't quite going past people with the same facility and the crowd going, oh. And he said it really, really weighed on his shoulders. So what is in my mind is when you talked about risk and spaces and taking choices... When you're young and you hear the crowd going, ah, oh, because you maybe missed three out of six passes or something like that, do, do you think people understand what that feels like? Because I think it must feel pretty sore. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I've had you know, plenty of times through your career where things aren't going quite well and it definitely affects you. I mean, you try, I think it, it because certainly becomes easier the more experienced you get. And mm. I think that happens with, helps with being more consistent. But certainly in the early days, it can affect you and I think it affects young players or can affect young players more than probably people realise who haven't been in that situation I don't know whether it's an expectation or whether it's just overlooking the actual situation in terms of you know put yourself in their shoes and you know hugely talented trying to do the right thing because of the young you know they're going to be a bit inconsistent they're learning the game they're going to make mistakes you know they need support they need encouragement and, and showing a bit of trust and you know, at the first sense of doing something wrong, if you know the moans and groans and people get on your back, then that's not going to help the you know the lad develop. It's not going to help the team. 
but in some ways that's just a natural reaction whether it's a cultural thing whether it's you know just how people see the game I don't I don't know what it is but in terms of developing youngsters I think certainly the, the more encouragement the, the more chance they're going to fulfil their potential I can't stand any longer the opportunity to ask you about Paolo Canyon because at beginning to work with Harry at a relatively young age was an experience I remember I, I met and knew, knew Paolo when he came to Celtic from, from Milan and I'm embarrassed to admit that Paolo thought I was the crazy one <laughs> but what a genius for the football what, what a volcanic man Tell me about some of the experiences of training, the dressing room. What, what was he? Was well, it's like when I went back when I was talking about Harry before. He's talking about the type of player that he likes. You know, it's talent. You know, it's it's entertaining. It's, it's keep on the edge of seats. People on the edge of the seats and giving special moments. You know, you're gonna have ups and downs, and I suppose that's what Paolo gives you, and that's what he certainly give us. He's some of the things that he'd done were just virgin on ridiculous, really, in terms of how good they were. And the ability he had was something else, and yeah, he was, you know. <laughs> done some crazy things at times and said some crazy things and but for us growing up and training with him every day to, to see that level I'd never seen anyone to that level before ability or ability, intensity ability, ability just mm-hmm. pure ability of what he could do on any given time the way he could manipulate the ball just the things he could do on a football pitch I'm not saying consistently but I just think as a one off some of the things he could do was something that I'd never seen so closely before so um for me, I just want you know, you watch and you try and learn and you try and pick things up. Yeah, he, he was an incredible talent. Did he give you advice? Did you get on well? Did you fall foul of him? Did, did he was he easy to understand even? Yeah, I got on fine with Paolo. He's yeah, he was always good. He was never um, he, he was never negative towards the young lads. Yeah, of course he he you know he'd lose his temper and things weren't going so well. He'd, you could tell he wasn't happy. Let's put it that way. But he never actually sort of. There was no isolated instance where he, you know he'd take it out on the young lads because he'd done something wrong. It was it was more he'd generally be unhappy, but he was always encouraging us and he was always yeah encouraging us to express ourselves and mm. try things and that's that's how we played the game. You know, he always he tried things, he tried mm. crazy things that you think what what how is he hoping to get away with that? But sometimes he did get away with it, and you know you celebrate an incredible goal, and that's what he was all about. And he gave Harry a. A career as an after-term speaker talking about Paolo sitting on the pitch and saying I'm not going on anymore yeah, yeah. and fighting was, with Frank th- for the penalty I think, I think I was um, that was my early day I think I was sub then I remember him yeah, and Harry on the touchline and turning around and just didn't know what to do you know what, what do you do That's Michael gets stripped I think that was the first for everyone you know he was trying to keep him on he was looking around to the bench to see what do I do do I take him off to leave him on and he's literally sitting yeah. in the pitch going I'm not going on yeah, anymore yeah. the referee's against us all and yeah he's blaming the referee That's what, that was his problem the ref I seem to remember Harry because this is Harry's story not mine hello Harry yeah. but he's, he's, I seem to remember him saying that Paul came in at half time and dressed him and tried to throw a, a bucket of Gatorade and it was too big and he <laughs> fell over and, and <laughs> you know this is the man who, who said I was the crazy one when he saw me in action in Glasgow he was, um, he's Definitely a one-off, Paolo, and um, <laughs> some of the moments. Even around the training ground, you know, he, he was just crazy, but never had a problem or in any way, shape or form with him at all. But, but an intense trainer. One of the things intense, I was serious about his training. When he was on it, he was on it, yeah. yeah. When he trained, he was he was on it, and that was something else. He, he brought sort of almost like his own trainer over at one point um, and was working one-on-one with him. And for us, you know, there's a good crop of young lads there, and I think we look to things like that to say, oh, that's a little bit different, you know, what, what are you doing there? And 
should we be doing that type mm. of thing? Should we be following him? So you try to pick things up. You don't take everything, of course, because you know you take what you can. But certainly in them early days, he, you know, he, he was an influence in, in many ways. One of the things that strikes me is you've you've basically spent a career playing football with your Ferdinand behind you, which must be a hell of a treat. One of the things that I was a little bit spoiled to be fair. <laughs> my my eye can tell me that he's an elegant, technical, intelligent footballer. But when we spoke to Darren Fletcher, Darren was saying that maybe I'd misjudged about exactly how much of a leader also Rio became. Maybe a captain without an armband. Mm. Try to tell me things about Rio's character and skills and football ability that I don't know. He's a big winner, a huge winner. Um, whatever it was, it could literally be PlayStation, it could be cars, it could be game and training, it could be anything. And I wouldn't say he was a bad loser because I don't, you know, I don't like using the word bad loser because you shouldn't enjoy getting beat. Um, mm. But he was, uh, he didn't enjoy losing at all. He was, um, it was all about winning. And uh, yeah, Fletcher's right. He's, he was a definite leader. He was a huge influence in the dressing room on and off the pitch, just as much off it as, as on it. And he had every everything you could ever want in the in the centre half. For me, he was, he's the best that that I've seen. He was. He just played most games in second or third gear. He really didn't. He was so comfortable and just cruised through games. And so he had all the attributes and the ability, but he was there was something really deep into driving him on, and that type of thing rubs off on everyone. And this was certainly the right place for him to, to be to be able to do that. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. West Ham in here, what do you do in your position? Whatever over the span of your career you were asked to do, because you've been asked to do some slightly different things in the same positional role. What do you do with a guy like that behind you? What do you what are the, how does it influence the choices you make? What position you take, when you do and don't offer the ball, needing to know when he wants to come forward with it and you maybe have to get out of the way or you have to say to him, stop taking it off you. What's the process there? I think it starts there's almost the appreciation of um, what the other one wants you know I sort of understand where Rio would prefer me to be mm-hmm. in certain situations I know you know what would suit him I think he knew what would suit me and it's not always just doing what you think you should do you know it's, it's thinking about those around you and say for instance when it was sort of Rio and, and Vida playing and we had sort of a little triangle going there we had the understanding of we just sort of knew where the other two would want I knew where the other two would want me and they probably knew where it was just that understanding and it wasn't it's not an individual then you're not thinking about just what you're doing you know you, and obviously the confidence having Real behind you gives you to just to play and constantly talking constantly telling you left or right simple things but 
constantly involved and sort of engaged together, you know, working together. He was a big talker on the pitch. I mean, you get all you get these players that shout and scream when the ball's gone dead and probably more for effect than anything. But when the game's going on and you're giving people little bits of information, you know, it's invaluable and that's really when it counts, to be honest. And, and Rio was probably one of the best I've come across at that. See, that's one of the reasons we're here because you know the fame of people is aside from the contributions that they can tell. The people who are in love with football but don't have never played at your level never will. And often. Even if you do that in an amateur game, we can't see or hear that because of the noise or we're watching games we can't afford to mm. on television. That idea of you know you being a second brain for somebody in front of you to left, him being a second brain for you, just in that communication, you, you said invaluable. I mean, can you expand on what you do and don't say and how often you speak? Not the shouting, but the information sharing. Yeah, I think getting to that stage, in some ways, you need to be lucky that you know you. You understand each other and you're on a certain wavelength. I think you, you could probably do that for a number of years with another player and it doesn't quite work because you, you, maybe you don't understand each other or you just see the game differently. Or For that reason, it, for us, it just it just clicked, you know, there was an understanding there. And it, it can be things just sitting here like we are now, you know, I'm having a coffee or having a bit of lunch and you're just talking about football. And it's not necessarily we're having a sit-down meeting and we're talking about tactics and what do you do there, what do you do there. And I think over time you gain an understanding of each other and then you talk about the game, little bits. Yeah, and it, it just just evolves really and takes a bit of time. And yeah, I think there's an almost that relationship that just happens, you know, when you click with someone and you're on that same wavelength and that develops over time. But I presume one of the fundamental parts, because I've met a lot of footballers who are good at your art and earn lots of money and will win trophies, but... We aren't particularly in love with our profession or can do it, but not necessarily after they've done their training and they've played the game, don't necessarily like to stay and dissect it like you've been talking about. It, for that relationship in anybody's case, not just you and Rio, for that to grow and for the blend to come, presumably what you both need to be is pretty much hooked on breaking down football and how to play it, how to play against it, what you did like, what you didn't like, yeah, changes uh, in trend. You've, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I suppose it's an understanding, but it, got to want to or you've got to think about it and even training you know something that happened in training we sit in the change room and it's probably someone getting a bit of stick but I think someone loses and you give them a bit of stick why did you do that why did you do that and it's all fun and you're sort of laughing in a way about it but by doing it that way sometimes that everyone's learning from that without realising it you know that develops over time it's not necessarily you're sitting someone down one on one and you're saying you know you should have done that why didn't you do this mm. It's not, it's, it's not like a formal way of doing it. Yeah. It's an informal way of doing it. And no one really probably realised that it was happening like that. But I think because you've got such a good spirit between each other, that it's constantly developing all the time. You told me the last time I was here, and it really, really struck me. Because I think you imagine from a distance, you sign for Manchester United, and you're like, well, I better lift my game, or it's a red shirt, or the, the, the passion of the crowd, or, well, it's the boss, it's Fergie, I bet... You said it was it was the day to day intensity of having to cut it with skulls and gigs and Keen or whoever, whoever it might be, mm. probably every man in that group. Yeah. And that changed you or made you focus or made you more maybe nervous coming to training every day, but I've got to be on it. Is that Yeah, definitely. That for me, the, in some ways the the biggest test was coming in your first few days in training and, and doing the box. Describe the box. So it's 10 by 10 square, basically. You've got two lads in the middle, six or seven lads on the outside. 
yeah, it doesn't have to be six or seven, can be four, but you know, depends on numbers. And it's basically keeping the ball off the two in the middle, one playing one touch. And I've seen boxes over the years, and it, it's a bit flicky, you know, people are trying to do skills to give the ball away, it's all a bit fun, trying to nutmeg people and all that type of thing. And you know, it's, it's seen of a bit of a mess about type thing, but and I came here and it was. You know, there was a bit of giggling, it was a bit of fun, but at the same time, it was a test. It was a real test, and there's no hiding place in that box. And if you couldn't quite live up to the standards that they were setting in that box, then you know you get quickly found out. And I've I've seen players through the years that type of thing really affected them. And, and who've come from the old box with, you could say, you know, the older lads in it, and gone into the younger box because it wasn't quite, you know, they didn't quite like that intensity of it. From I straight away, I wanted to be in that box. I wanted to, mm. you know, I thought they were the best players. You know, Giggsy, Scolzi, Ollie, Rio. Thought that's where I want to be and test myself. And you know, they're smashing it at you, and you've got to deal with it. And as long as it's within touching distance for you or gettable, you've you've got to deal with it. And I just found that as the real test. It was almost winning the lads over, if you like, mm-hmm. winning their trust. That you know, the managers obviously bought you, the clubs paid some money for you. You think you're good enough, but. Day to day, you know, it's about winning all your teammates. You got to play with them every week, and I think that was that was a as small as it sounds. That was a it was a huge thing, and, and I've spoke to other players, and they say similar things as well. Have you had box sessions out there or Friday training games often, which are more intense than Saturday Sunday Premier League games? Yeah, without doubt, yes. Now it's a little bit different because the training is just structured a little bit different, but. Um, Sort of before we'd we'd have a pretty much a free game of nine v nine, ten v ten on a, the day before a game, which again it's in some other times I've been involved in that. If a manager just done that, you get some people who are trying, some people wouldn't, you know, some people not really interested, and not always great. Where here it was, yeah, ten v ten, and it was not a full pitch; it was a small pitch, but it was it was intense, and again it was a test, you know. It was, Sometimes the, the gas well, the games on the Saturday were easier than yeah. the, the, the training, and yeah, I realised that quite quickly. And from probably being one of them, where you know, you, I always felt I was I was trying to train, and I was always trying to train. I always felt that, and I had it in my mind to try and learn and train and be consistent. But coming here, I had to just take that to another level, and probably realised before that I wasn't quite at that level, and I wasn't doing it as. But I didn't know anything different then, you know. Yeah. And I came here, and I and I always thought I'd learn. I always looked at Giggsy Scolzi again, same names, Gary Neville, Rio, and looked at them, Ollie, and thought, you know, what do they do? You know, how are they so good? What makes them so good? And I always thought, I need to learn off these and I need to take it on board. And almost, I, I was aware how lucky I was to have the opportunity to come here anyway. Obviously, you know, you, to yeah. a certain extent, you've earned it, and I, and I know that, but still, to get the opportunity to play and learn from the, the lads, I was. You've done what you do in midfield. I, I don't know if you're aware, but you've thrown me in a nice little dummy. In that, I was away on another path, but you've twice glowingly mentioned Ollie, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, and not for his goal record or coming off the bench or 99, but for his football. Is he one of those players whose actual ability and reading of the game? Do I read that that's underestimated by people? Yeah, he was, he was a terrific player, Ollie. I think mean, he's he's obviously known for his finishing, and his finishing was up there with the best I've seen. Not necessarily eye catching in terms of he'd be curling it top left, top right hand corner. And he just had the knack of speaking to him and, and hearing him talking. He was one of them that he thought about it and through legs, you know, he'd, he'd shoot through legs. I love that. Um, I love that. Yeah. It wouldn't be nice necessarily. Um, 
pure clean strike but you get a through leg and you find the bottom corner and you find the bottom corner and you think that's not lucky that you know that's something that he's worked on as I say it doesn't always look like it's you know the special goal of the season or anything like that but it was every time you'd find the bottom corner and you'd find a way through the gap and or certain times he'd, he'd hit it straight at the goalkeeper and through the goalkeeper's legs when it wasn't it wasn't luck because he as I say looking at him and, learnt and sort of listening to him it was something that he really thought about and I'm, I'm not sure you know an awful lot of players would actually think like that you know he went a bit deeper than that and yeah I think I think so Alex has said when he was on the bench you know Ollie would always look at the game and think right when I'm coming on where's my chances what can I do how can I sort of manipulate the best chances for myself and he'd, he'd study the game and well his record proves and goal scoring and what he, what he was like that. we're not in the box but I'm going to ping one out you know see how your touch is Who's Havoc? Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's a serious question because... It's a good question. I've never had that question before in my life. I, 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 I can't reveal my sources yet. Fletch. No, oh, it's garbage, Fletch. No, That's ridiculous. Um, he was... I don't know what he was. Was he... I think I'd he, like to know. He was Haywire, I think. <laughs> Oh, Jack, Jack Bauer. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that's payback. You've just had there, you've been done. No, I'll, t- I'll, con- I'll tell you where it's from. With the purpose of my question, in just to have fun, you, you, you talked about earning your spurs in the box mm. and earning trust, and whatever, but there are moments when you need to build team spirit and make people who are shy come out. Mm. So, therefore, back to Haywire and Havoc and, yeah. and explain <laughs> it for the, for the people, please, who don't know um, what's going on. <laughs> I'll try my best. We had um, the PSPs, which were like little sort of handheld PlayStations a few years back. And uh, there was a game called SOCOM. It was like a bit of an army game. But it was the only game you could play against each other. You could get like 8v8 just playing against each other. So a lot of the other games was you go and do missions and all that type of thing. But the boys found a game, so we could all play together. All right. So you'd flick like the, flick the button and it would be all wireless and we'd all connect in the same bit. So we'd be sitting on the coach or sitting on the train or flying... Champions League games or something, and we flick them on, and pretty much a lot of the time we were getting six v six, seven v seven. So, you know, that's pretty much two thirds of the squad mm. playing the game. Exactly. It's not everyone's cup of tea, so there was a few lads that didn't play it, but but straight away there was just a togetherness and a spirit. Yeah. So we obviously we all had names, you know, and there was a wide variety in here. <laughs> Some which must remain secret. <laughs> yeah, we keep a couple of secret, but mine was mine was havoc. I don't know where it come from, but, um, and yeah, it was. It sounds a little thing, but. Literally every, every time we went on a coach, every time we went on a train, whether it's half an hour, whether it's three hours, the game would get played and we'd be into it. And in hotels, we'd, it was even known to like, whoever had rooms next to each other, one team would go in one room, one team would go in the other room. <laughs> and if it worked through the wall, then we'd play against each other. And yeah, that, that was it. It was a, a simple concept, but um, that was probably 2006 to maybe 2009 when we played that for about three or four years. And then we sort of grew out of it after that, but it just it just created a real spirit, and that's from young lads who are coming into the squad, you know, 18, 19 year old, straight away they're in, you know, they're in. It's something to talk to us about, it's something to laugh about, it's something to give them a stick about, and yeah, it was it was it was it was a massive thing for us in the, in the dressing room. You can imagine the. I bet there are people now. I think I'd, I'd love to play that, mm. but I, I guess it also fought off two enemies as well, which would have been the boredom. I guess the general public don't understand how, and it sounds rubbish even when I say it, life in a plane, life in a hotel yeah. can be 
Yeah, you don't, it's one of them things, you know, you can't really complain about it too much because but, but it is a fashion. But when you're in it, it's, yeah, it's not an easy thing to deal with all the time. And something like that, instead of thinking, oh, we're on another plane for three hours, the boys were getting excited and we're going, come on, let's, let's pick the teams we're on. Who's, you know, who's going to be the best, this and that, who's going to be MVP. And so, yeah, there was an enthusiasm and, a, and an excitement about it instead of all sitting there with whatever it was, DVDs, iPads, headphones on. Solitary. Yeah. And then you wouldn't, no one would speak to each other for three hours type mm-hmm. thing. It was a way of just getting everyone together. And I'll be honest, there was times when it got a bit loud and a bit. The boss shouted back a few times to, to shut up. <laughs> sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. What would, if he just... played, what would his? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. I let you pick him. That was a bad one. I, no, I, I take you, that back. You can pick him. We, we can work. We can work. <laughs> Sorry, Alec. Um, <laughs> the other one, I guess. The other enemy, I guess, it might have fought on some occasions. Although you'd have gone more used to dealing with is, is tension, because nerves and tension, particularly say for. The most crucial semi-finals, or you've got to go to Arsenal way, or you've got to play a Champions League final, whatever it is, tension is a real thing and can affect players. No matter your experience, in in really dangerous ways, is that fair? Yeah, or? yeah I think there's a sort of large scale of you know, in one at the top, people really relish it and, and can bring out the best of them. At the real other end of the scale, then people can really suffer from it and it, it can really affect them quite badly. And, because it was so relaxed and so friendly for going back to the early years here, it was I think everyone just embraced it and brought out the best in most and that was our way of dealing with it really. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.